welcome to Didian Hawthorne in the In-Between, or DH&I. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gentz, and you're listening to our podcast about the relevance of literature in the 21st century. Now bookmark that book, and let's begin. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Happy Monday. Today, as you all have already gathered from the title of this episode, we will be talking about I Know You Know Who I Am by Peter Kispert, who's said to be one of the foremost upcoming writers in his generation, especially when it comes to short stories. The book was first published just a few weeks ago on February 11th, 2020, making this the first new lit book of the year that we're reviewing on the show. And yes, the book is a very approachable 222-page book length of short stories. I have to admit here that it has been a minute since I've approached a book of short stories on my own. I took a German class last quarter about short stories, but it's been, in fact, almost a year since my last read book of them personally. I'm not counting the Flannery O'Connor, by the way, for those of you who are suspicious of me right now because I haven't finished it yet. So honestly, this book was a really refreshing read for me, um, and I am so excited to be talking about a collection of short stories rather than just an individual short story as we have been for the last few weeks. To start off, I want to talk about four factors that I think really contribute to a great collection of short stories, and some of them pertain to single short stories as well. A first is a catch-all title piece. So in terms of the title piece of a short story, I think it's rather unusual for a title piece to come first in the book. I don't remember in my experience with short story collections having title pieces that come first. Um, You guys can correct me in the description or in the comments down below if you think that that is an incorrect fact, but for me it was pretty interesting having the title piece be the first piece of the book. I really love Welcome to the Monkey House by Kurt Vonnegut. And so that's the short story collection that I think maybe is first place, at least in my mind. And I'll be comparing a lot of what I know about short stories in contrast and with examples from that book as well. And I think that the catch-all title piece here is catch-all because not only stylistically and with length is it going to be the most drawn out, but it's going to be the most representative. I think of the story collection as a whole, people are going to look to that short story when they read the short story collection. They're going to be thinking about, oh, why is this the piece they chose as the title piece? It's going to be held up to a little bit more scrutiny than I think the other pieces in the collection. In terms of the Peter Kispert, I liked the title piece for sure, and there's actually an accompanying piece um, that bookends the end of the book, which I really liked. I did really like that aspect. I think other pieces were more unique in this book, and I definitely enjoyed other pieces in the book more, but I think in terms of a title piece, um, this book does a great job with putting social themes and things like that um, at the forefront. In terms of this book, again, in particular, one of the social themes that really plays true is the truth versus falsehood in relationships. So the majority of this book is about romantic relationships and people who have compulsions to lie and lie a lot in those relationships. So I thought it was just really interesting, especially the protagonist of the title uh, piece of the book, how the extent to which he lied, but not that, and also the extent to which he was successful in his lies. Um, And I think that was a really 
astute social commentary that Kispert brings out in the book. The second criteria is variety in length and style. This more so pertains to the short story collection as a whole, and I think, again, Kispert does a great job at this. Kurt Vonnegut also does a great job at this. Other short story collections, I think, don't do so well in terms of the length, at least, um, where they have every short story be about the same length, but Kispert has half a page short stories one-page short stories, super long short stories like the title piece and the end piece, um, and stylistically I think Peter Kispert not only has a consistent thread throughout all of his work, but it's stylistically dynamic enough to be interesting between short stories, which is really important because this book is not a novel, it doesn't have a consistent plot, doesn't have consistent characters or time frames, and so that is all going to be taken into account by your reader, and it's going to have to be variant enough where you don't get confused between short stories, for example. I'm actually going to read one of the short stories in this book. It's called Signs, and it is on page 128 in the Penguin Classics book edition. Penguin Classics book edition, which I think is the only edition available in the text thus far. When I arrive at the cliffs, they've been cordoned off, dotted with small orange cones. Someone tried to climb them and fell. Wet moss, a construction worker tells me. No one believes the signs. Everyone believes the signs, I almost say, except the few who don't. I also almost ask if they've found the body. I'm decidedly too interested, but being a tourist does that to you. Everything becomes a riddle to crack. What's that? he asks. He points to the small blue jar of my friend's ashes, glinting with sunlight in my left hand. Nothing, I say. We discuss the weather and I tell him that I'm headed to Amsterdam. The day would not be more beautiful, all smiling strangers. Pink flowers nodding in the tall grass. His words are low and light, easily dismissed. I think this is just a really beautiful, picturesque short story. It has a lot of complex themes like life and death, and it also has this air of mystery that I think suits the tone of the book really well as a sort of transition piece between two longer, um, more popular pieces in this book. I think it does really well. It's sort of a palette cleanser too. I just think it really functions well in the piece. I really like it. Um, and I don't think it could be any longer to establish or do what it does. So the last, or number three, succinctness, concision. I think concision is a more aesthetically pleasing word to describe what I'm thinking, but succinctness is closer to what I'm thinking. So succinctness in terms of not only your style, I mean, it has to be short, obviously, because it's a short story. Um, and you can go to my episode on book lengths down below if you want to know sort of the um, target lengths for books, novels, short stories, um, things like that. But yes, succinctness in terms of your ideas, um, I think just short stories are so beautiful and they're a really great way to communicate especially radical ideals, but you have to be able to really um, put your ideas through a sieve and figure out what's going to be 
the most contained element of my ideas. And the last thing is absurdity. This factor is definitely the wild card factor. I chose it because when I was thinking about the best short stories that I knew, all of them, even the most socially well-behaved, have this measure of absurdity, of imagination that serves the art form really well, I think. In particular, I was thinking about Faulkner's The Rose for Emily, again, Stories in Welcome to the Monkey House by Kurt Vonnegut, um, but even stories like Abgefertigt by Helga Novak in the German all-style gay movement follow this sort of absurdity track. Um, I don't mean absurdity in terms of breaking all the social norms or something like that, but sometimes it's just one element of surprise in short stories. And I think that's what makes it interesting and variable. Two of the short stories in here that were my favorites were How to Live Your Best Life and Rorschach. I imagine that in terms of publicity, this book will get a lot of attention for those two short stories in particular. They're very dystopian. They deal again with these really complex themes of death, relationships, lies. Um, and guilt, especially in Rorschach. Um, I don't want to get into it too much for the sake of time, but especially Rorschach, um, it's about making crucifixions a legitimate form of the death penalty and staging those crucifixions as plays in um, playhouses like in New York and in Boston. And it's about one of the managers of these productions. The actual production is woven in throughout the short story of this guy named Alex that is getting crucified. And I think that there's just a lot of really complex issues in it, especially since um, most of these short stories are about people who are uh, in the LGBTQ spectrum. So there's that element as well. Um, and it reads to me like a very legitimate, very amazing, well done contemporary short story collection. I'm glad I read it. That's my two cents. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will see you on Thursday for up to page 299 in the DFW. If you enjoyed the discussion and would like to hear more from us, there is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website, relevanceofliterature.com, under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes. We also have a couple of open surveys that you can find through the links in the description, so if you have three minutes while you're waiting in line somewhere, we would very much appreciate your feedback on our show. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode, and we'll see you next time.